All right. How's everyone going this morning? Good. It's good. Thanks, Pete. I'm glad you're well. And like the one other person that said it. All right. Well, I, I want to tell you about three times in my life where I was greatly impacted. And, and I remember these three times very clearly. Here's the first one. Last year, I was walking through Newtown with some friends of mine. I saw 20 bucks on the ground outside this nail salon. Uh, so I picked it up and I went inside to let them know. Uh, but there was a small language barrier between me and the women who were in there. Uh, I was trying to explain, I found this outside, someone's probably dropped it, they might want to come back for it. And they're like, no, no, we don't want it, you can have it, you keep it. And so, long story short, I had 20 bucks. It was great. I'm pretty sure I bought myself lunch that day. When I was 18, I was uh, at a beach on the central coast. I was celebrating with some friends finishing year 12. Uh, and every year, uh, a bunch of people from schools all across the central coast would gather at that same beach uh, for a little bit of a party, a festival. There'd be bands playing. And there was a lot of people there. And as I was walking around with some mates, just out the front of the surf club, there was 20 bucks on the ground. Uh, and so I picked it up. And the crowd was huge. There's no way the owner was going to ever find this 20 bucks again. So I bought a margarita pizza. It was pretty good. When I was in primary school, I used to catch the bus outside of this petrol station. Uh, and I'd walk there every morning. Uh, and one day I was walking there and I found not 20 bucks, but 50 bucks on the ground, just out the front of this petrol station. Uh, and so I pick it up, and my older brother said, you have to go in, you have to go let the guy know that you found 50 bucks. So I did, and the guy there, who was probably like in his mid-20s, it was early in the morning, just could not care less about this 10-year-old who found 50 bucks on the ground. Uh, and so again, I ended up with 50 bucks. It was pretty good. I don't remember what I bought. I think my mum took it off me. Uh, but I remember finding a 50 bucks. Now, if you asked me who my teacher in school was that year, I could not tell you. I got no idea. If you asked me how well I did in my HSC exams the year I found that 20 bucks, I got no clue, right? I don't remember those things. The things that stayed with me is all the money I found. It's pretty good. Now, I don't remember the time I found five cents on the floor, but 20 bucks, 50 bucks, that's pretty good. You see, money impacts us. Money has this kind of hold on our life like nothing else has. We all need money to function in this world. Like, we get that. We need to pay bills. We need to pay rent. Uh, we need to buy food. But money is more than just something that we need, isn't it? We love money. We want more money. We never think we have enough money. We want to spend that money on things we like. Now, I'm not saying any of this is wrong. I'm not saying that just because you have money and want money, that's not necessarily wrong. I just want you to realise that money is really, really important to us. We think about it all the time. In my pocket, right here is my wallet, and that I have it in my pocket so that I can spend my money whenever I want to, whenever I need to. It's just there, ready to go. In fact, now I can just use my phone, which is even easier. I just tap it and don't have to worry about it. And because we care so much about money as a society, but also just as humanity, there's no surprise that Proverbs talks a lot about money. By my count, there's probably about 100 verses in Proverbs that talks about money. Don't worry, we're not going to read them all. But that's a lot of money talk in this book about wisdom. And so money, that is what we're looking at today. 
We're going to see what Proverbs has to teach us about money and about being wise with our money. But before we look at these Proverbs, before we dig into it, uh, there'll be some things in here that might sound like the promise of wealth for us all, right? And so before we dig into them, I want to show you the difference between a promise and a proverb. Because we're reading the book of Proverbs, not the book of Promises. A proverb is a recognition of a pattern in the world, right? So, for example, the proverb, an apple a day keeps a doctor away. That is not a promise that if you eat an apple a day, you'll never get sick. That's not the way proverbs work. It's just kind of like a general rule that if you eat healthy, you'll probably be more healthy. And so, when a proverb says, this is how you get rich, it's not promising it, it's saying that this is the pattern of the world. So, just keep that in mind as we go through. There will be some promises we'll get to towards the end, but as we look at the Proverbs, keep that in mind. Proverbs are not promises. So, the question is, what does Proverbs teach us about money? What does it teach us about wealth? Well, it teaches us a lot. As I said, there's about 100 verses. It teaches us where it comes from, teaches us what to do with it, how to get it, and it also teaches us its ultimate end that money will end. And there are two big things I want us to understand about Proverbs and money today. And this comes under the first heading in your bulletin, if you've got one in front of you. The first thing is that wealth, money, it's a blessing from God. It is a good blessing from God, but it's a blessing that we should give away. It is a blessing that is best given away. The second thing is that hard work usually leads to wealth. But seeking wealth is foolishness. It's a fool's errand. So, firstly, the blessing of God that is to be given away. Look with me at Proverbs 10.22. This will be on the slide. We're going to look at a lot of Proverbs, not a hundred, but we will look at a lot. So, I've chucked them up here so I don't have to keep flicking. Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Without painful toil, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. It's a blessing. Money, wealth is a blessing, which means they're good things. They're not punishments. They're not temptations uh, in and of themselves. They're good things. God gives them as gifts. We can rejoice and we can celebrate when we have them. They're good things. And God, He gives these blessings to people who are wise. A couple of weeks ago, Dom spoke to us about Lady Wisdom and in chapter 8, verse 18, this is what Lady Wisdom says, with me are riches and honour, enduring prosperity and wealth. So, when you choose wisdom, when you choose to follow Lady Wisdom and not woman folly and you walk in her ways, wealth often follows. If we live well, and wisely in God's world, wealth often follows. And it's such a wonderful blessing to have wealth, and so we should be really thankful for it. We should be thankful for wealth. But the thing is, well, how about I describe myself, and you you tell me if you can see yourself in this. I really find it hard to be thankful for my wealth. I really, really struggle to do it. Because what I do is I compare myself to other people, but I never compare myself to people who have less. I always compare myself to people who have more. And so, as I look to them, as I look at their nice houses and nice cars, 
their nice clothes, their ability to kind of get whatever they want, I start to believe that they're wealthy, but I'm not. I start to think that they've been blessed, but I haven't. But if I spend a moment thinking about it, I have been blessed. We have all been blessed with great wealth. You know, when I go home today, I'm confident there'll be food in my house for lunch, for dinner, for breakfast tomorrow, for the rest of the week. I'm confident I'll have money for food. I get to go home to a place to live and it's the same place every night. It has a roof, it doesn't leak, I have a comfy bed. I have expendable cash. So if I want to go to the movies, I can go to the movies whenever I want. Or if I'm real lazy and I just want to stay in, I can rent a movie whenever I want. And it's now super easy. You just do it on your phone and it's on your TV. It's amazing. I'm rich compared to most of the world. We're all rich compared to most of the world. And so when we compare ourselves to people more wealthy than us, we forget to be thankful for all that God has already given us. And so this week, I've had to repent of my thanklessness. I've had to repent that I do not give thanks to God for His wonderful blessing to me in wealth. Maybe that's you, and maybe you have to repent as well. But if we want to be further blessed with wealth, Proverbs says that we don't hold on to it. We give it away. We give it away. So look at Proverbs 11.24. It says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. The the point here, it's, it's clear, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? It's more blessed to be generous with your wealth than to hold on to it. You will receive more blessing if you give it away than if you keep it all for yourself and use it selfishly. Now, remember, this isn't a promise like I said, it's a proverb, it's not promising give all your money and you'll get rich somehow, but it's a pattern of life. The way God's world works is those who are generous gain. Maybe not necessarily money and material wealth, but you will gain in some way. Because wealth is a blessing best given away, best to be generous with. And I'll come back to what it means to be generous. We're going to spend the last part of today thinking about that um, because I want us to think hard about how we can be generous with our wealth. But this leads me to my second point about wealth in Proverbs. Hard work often leads to wealth, but seeking wealth is a foolish endeavour. It's a fool's game. The most common thing Proverbs says about money and about wealth is that if you work hard, you generate wealth, but if you're lazy, you live in poverty. You got it? That kind of makes sense to us as well. Look at chapter 10, verse 4. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. There it is. It's clear as a day, right? We get this. Hard work, not laziness, leads to wealth. And because I know all the parents in the room are loving this, they just want ammunition for their kids so they can shoot it at them. Here's another one for you. Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Now, this, this is probably a proverb for me. Mere talk only leads to poverty. You know, I can talk the talk, but can I walk the walk? Might be a way of putting it in our, in our day. Just talking about what we want and how we're going to do it doesn't get us anywhere. Just 
the person who always schemes, the person who comes up with the plan, the job that they really want so they'll earn the big bucks, the new thing they want to invest in, but never actually does anything, he just talks the talks but never walks the walk, they never get well. They're talking about it, but they're never doing anything. Instead, it's the person who knuckles down, who works hard, who gets things done, they're the one who profits in the end. But here's the thing though, here's the thing about working hard and wealth. Chasing wealth for its own sake is foolishness. There are more important things in this world than wealth and we need to be chasing them instead. There's a stack of Proverbs that talk about what is better than wealth. Things that come up are righteousness is better than wealth, following the Lord and fearing the Lord is better than wealth, a lowly spirit, love, peace and quiet is better than wealth. But the most common thing Proverbs says is better than wealth is wisdom itself. Wisdom is better than wealth. Look at Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. Wisdom is far better than any riches. And so you must be the biggest fool to chase after wealth, to chase after money at the expense of wisdom. And so this is a tension that we live in. We know that if we work hard, we can get wealth. We see that pattern around us. We see those entrepreneurs who bust their guts for years and years and years, and then they end up with billions of dollars. We see Steve Jobs who started in a garage and worked his guts out and ended up very, very rich. We, we get it. We see the people in our workplace who work the hardest end up often being promoted. Not always, it's not always the case, but it's often the case, isn't it? And so, the tension is, we know how to pursue wealth, but there are things that are far better than wealth. So, which do we choose? Which do we go for? If we pursue riches alone, then we're fools. But the biggest reason pursuing wealth is a foolish game is because wealth does not last. Wealth does not last. Look with me at Proverbs 23, it's on the slides. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. What a vivid picture, yeah? Just like the water cash and as you go to reach it, it sprouts wings and flies off. It's kind of like you know, the, uh, the water cash that's attached to the fishing line and someone's reeling it in and someone's like chasing after it. That's the picture I get. But, but it also makes sense to us, as we pursue wealth, it, it's, it disappears. For as many Steve Jobs as they are, who work hard and bust their guts and end up wealthy, there are other people who work hard but never end up anywhere. That job that you thought was yours, that had your name written all over it, it goes to someone else. That investment that seems so promising just tanks. You find the perfect place to live and you're outbid and you've lost it. Seeking after wealth often leads to nothing. It will wear us out, we'll become bitter and we'll be left with nothing. 
But that's not even the biggest problem. That's not even the biggest problem with our wealth. Wealth does us no good thing after this life. Wealth does nothing for us at the end of this life. Look at chapter 11, verse 4. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. It's not a big leap to see here that the day of wrath is the day of God's judgment, the day where God raises all the dead and ushers them into His courts room and judges them for the way they have lived their life. And you know what? On that day, your bank balance means nothing. Your investment portfolio does not clean you of your sin. Your amazing experiences that you you can't spend all your money to travel the world, they mean nothing. They cannot do anything for you. The only thing that delivers from death is righteousness, not wealth. Your wealth does not follow you into the grave. It provides no security for you in judgment. It brings no pleasure in the life to come. It rots, it decays, it turns to nothing. That is the ultimate fate of all earthly wealth. And so, seeking wealth now, it's a fool's errand. It will come to nothing. But there's a different kind of wealth. There's another kind of wealth. A wealth that never spoils, a wealth that never fades, a wealth that vermin do not destroy. And we see it as we turn to the Gospel and as we hear what Jesus has to say about money. You see, we live in this new age, a new Gospel age, and that new Gospel age changes where our wealth is. And this is our second point, the new bank account. There's a problem with this world, and it's not just that people are foolish and chase wealth, There's a problem with the people in this world. There's a problem with me, there's a problem with you. It's that where, whether we are materially wealthy or poor, we're spiritually poor. Every single one of us are spiritually poor because there's nothing we can do on that day of judgment. There's nothing we can give, there's nothing we can offer to avoid God's wrath because we're spiritually poor. We're all sinners, we're all under God's judgment and wrath. But what Jesus does when He comes is He takes our ideas about wealth and He flips them on their head. He reverses our fortunes. He takes us from being poor to being rich. Look what Paul says about it in 2 Corinthians 8. It's not working. Can I get someone to flip that slide? Oh, hey, there we go. 2 Corinthians 8. This is a really, really key verse for us to understand how Jesus and money relate to us. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you, through His poverty, might become rich. Jesus lived in heaven with His heavenly Father. He was living in glory. He was ruling the world. He held it up in His hand. But for our sake, He took on human flesh, which for God is humiliating, but He went further, He suffered death, death on a cross, all so that we could become spiritually rich. He takes us out of our spiritual poverty and gives us riches, the richness of salvation, of forgiveness. He gives us His own righteousness so that on the day of judgment, 
we do have righteousness to avoid death. You see, when we put our trust in Jesus, He also opens up for us a new bank account, a new bank account not filled with earthly riches, it's filled with spiritual treasures. When Jesus rises again from the grave, He ushers in a new age, a new age of spiritual treasures, a new resurrection age. But this new age signals the end of this world. And so, it signals the end of earthly wealth. We now live in the last days and our money's use-by date is approaching fast. Jesus' brother James wrote these words in a letter. Have a look at what he has to say about wealth in these last days. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. James is talking to people who use their riches to oppress the poor and call themselves Christian. But it's not hard for us to see that anyone who hoards wealth in this world, their wealth testifies against them. Their stacks of cash say, this person didn't invest in heaven, they invested in this world. But the end of all material wealth is at hand. It will corrode, it will disappear... All those who lay up wealth now, at the sake of their spiritual wealth, will face judgment. Their cash, their investments, their experience means nothing. Jesus calls His followers not to invest in this world. This is what we read in Matthew 6 earlier. We'll read just part of it again. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. That just, it repeats that proverb that wealth disappears. Instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus tells his followers, don't fill up your bank accounts here and now, fill up your one in heaven. Don't fill it up with earthly treasure, fill it up with heavenly spiritual treasure because that bank account is secure. Moth and vermin do not get in and destroy it. The thief cannot steal it. It's a sure investment. So why would we invest anywhere else? Why would we do it? So what does it mean for us not to invest here but invest in heaven? Does it just mean we give anything away and we live in poverty? and destitution. No, Proverbs calls us to be wise with our money. Proverbs shows us that we can earn money and use it and it's a good blessing. But, and this brings us to our last point, but we are free from the idols of wealth and security and pleasure. So, we have freedom from security and pleasure. These, they're both good things. Security and pleasure are good blessings that come with wealth, right? The problem is they can too easily become idols. We can too easily invest there and forsake our investment in heaven. We can too easily love those things and not love our Lord and Saviour, Jesus. So, let's start by looking at security. Proverbs 10.15 says, "'The wealth of the rich is their fortified city.'" So, wisdom recognises that someone's wealth, it protects them. Wealth protects the wealthy. 
It's, and it's good to have financial security, right? It's good to have it for the sake of our families. You know, if I was to just give away all my money and had nothing left, how would I feed my wife and my son? How would I care for them? Part of my job as a husband and father is to provide for them. And so it's a good desire to have financial security. It's wise to do that. Having investments, owning a home, or whatever your security might look like for you, they're wise and they're good things. But they can so easily tempt us into idolatry. We can easily forget that our security is only for this life. We can slip into making everything of it. We can slip into thinking that as long as I have financial security, I am fine. I can live a good life and I do not need to worry. If we're only concerned for this age, then of course we'll aim for financial security. But if we have treasures in heaven, the material security isn't as important, is it? Because Jesus has he's secured our salvation. He's secured our bank account. Ephesians says He has given us the seal of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. We can hold loosely to security now because we have eternal security in heaven. We can sacrifice that promotion, which means we can save up for the deposit that we wanted to get that nice house. We can sacrifice that second income so that we can invest more time in our family or even more time in ministry and sharing the gospel with those who we love and know. We can sacrifice our money for gospel work. We can live dangerously for the sake of the gospel because our future is secure in Christ. We can give up our security because we are sure of our treasure in heaven. What about pleasure? Again, this is something that is a good thing. Part of the blessing of wealth is that we can enjoy it. We can spend money on uh, new things that we really want to enjoy. We can travel the world and experience other cultures. We can pamper ourselves, which obviously I do a lot of. I don't know if you can tell. (laughs) I look pretty good today. No, it's 100% not me. I'm more likely to spend it on the new shiny things, yeah, and enjoy those. And I do, I do that and I do enjoy them because all these good things, they're a blessing from God. But again, these things can easily tempt us to love them and not God, to invest in them and not invest in heaven. The message of pretty much every single ad I ever see, and I'm generalising here, but it's if you have our product or if you use our service, then you will have pleasure. The pleasure of saving time so you can do whatever you want. The pleasure of not having to wash your dishes by hand, you know, you can just chuck them in the dishwasher. The pleasure of, you know, seeing that movie in 4K, high resolution and surround sound, it, it will give you pleasure and it will fulfil your life if you just have our product, if you just use our service. And we might think we're immune to this message and a lot of the times uh, we can go, "Ah, I see what you're doing. But because it is such a part of our world, the buses that drive past, right? 
Even like on the back of taxis, they had those little ads. As you're scrolling through your phone, you're seeing these ads. And I've noticed now that as I scroll through my Facebook feed, sometimes I can't even tell it's an ad. There's like this tiny little writing, sponsored post. But it just looks like any other post. And so this, these messages, they just seep into our minds and we can't avoid them. And our world is telling us that we need the latest iPhone, that we need to go to that hot new destination, that we need to see this new movie or play this new game, that we need this new gadget. These are all good things for us to enjoy, but they're not things that we need. And so when we believe that message, we've become fools. We've invested in this world. We're seeking pleasure here and now. But if we have Jesus then our true pleasure is in Him. He fills us with joy. When we recognise that all good things come from Jesus, we give thanks to Him for all that He has given us and we can be freed from the message of our culture. Jesus gives us these good things, but we don't need them. We need Jesus. We need His salvation. We can be freed from these things if we come to Jesus. And because we can have freedom from earthly security and earthly pleasure, it means we can be generous. And it also means we can sacrifice. We can sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. All right? We can be generous with what we have. And we already saw that uh, Proverbs says generosity leads to prosperity, leads to wealth. Have a look at what Paul says uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Paul wants Christians to give cheerfully. And he says those who do are blessed by God. They have everything they need, not everything they want, everything they need, They need for what? To abound in every good work. As we give generously, God gives us all that we need to honour and love Him. And Paul wants Christians to give cheerfully, not under compulsion, not because they feel guilty. He wants them to give cheerfully, out of response to the Gospel, out of response to Jesus and what He's done, that He became poor so that we might be rich. And so, we need to have a loose grip on our earthly wealth, not hold it tight, not be tight-fisted and stingy, we're confident of our spiritual wealth and so we hold loose to our earthly wealth. The question is, who should we be generous to? There's lots of ways we can be generous. We can um, give to a friend in need and that's a really good thing. There's a whole bunch of charity organisations that are doing amazing work throughout the world, right? Compassion is just one that jumps to mind straight away. Giving to compassion uh, not only sets up uh, a young child to hear the gospel of Jesus, but it benefits the whole community that that child is in. It's, it's a wonderful thing to give to. But I think there's, there's a proximity to us that is really important, that we're generous in the things that we participate in, we're generous in the things that we benefit from, And so, if you call this church home, I think it's really important for us to be generous to SWEC, to be generous to the community here. 
as a member of the community, we should see that nothing in this community happens without us being generous towards it. Generous with our money so the work can continue. Generous with our time so that we can serve one another. So give generously to church. If you're completely new to church, to Jesus, uh, you're figuring this stuff out, don't feel compelled to give here. We're going to send the offertory around during one of the last songs. And it's really important that you don't feel compelled to give. Remember, that's what Paul said, not under compulsion, but as a cheerful giver. What's more important for you today is to not hear that we need to give generously to church to keep reaching the lost and keep seeing believers matured. What you need to hear is that your investments here will end, but your investment in heaven will last forever. You need to figure out where you're going to invest. But if you have joined us here at SWEC, if you have been here for a little while uh, and you've thrown your cap in with us and you want to be part of the mission and the community here, but you have not begun giving to church, then now might be a really good time for you to go home and carefully consider how you might give. Look at verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 9 again. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. This isn't just giving willy-nilly, just out of compulsion, just, you know, on the spot. This is thoughtful, careful consideration of how you might be generous. So, go home and think about it. Look at your budget. Make a budget if you don't have a budget and think about how you can give. Now, if you're already part of SWEC and you're already giving uh, sacrificially and generously, that is wonderful. We are so thankful for you. We're so thankful for your service and your generosity. But if you haven't reviewed how you're giving and what being generous looks like for you in the last little while, maybe the past 12 months or so, then the start of this new financial year, and we missed it by about a week, but it's not too late, it might be now a really good time to consider how you'll be generous. How will you be generous with what you've got? How will you sacrifice security and pleasure now for the gospel? You might want to reevaluate how much you give. Can you stretch and give more? Or circumstances might have changed and maybe you can't give as much, that's okay. The point is to be thoughtful about how we're generous and sacrificial in how generous we are. I'm going to leave you with this. When you end up in heaven, when you're enjoying the fruit of your treasure that you've invested there, the thing you won't regret is how much money you gave away, is how much time you gave away to be generous. The thing you will regret is not giving away so much. The things you held on to that you didn't really need. The things that you splurged on that really you didn't necessarily need, but the gospel was more important. That's what you'll regret. And so, Proverbs, as it calls us to be wise with our money, to enjoy the blessing of God, Jesus shows us that wise living with money is not investing it here, it's investing it in the future, investing it in heaven where our treasure never spoils or never fades. So, invest in that spiritual treasure. How about I pray for us? Father God, thank You that You sent Your Son, that though He was rich, He became poor, so that we, through His poverty, might become rich. Forgive us for those times where we have not been generous, where we've been following idols of security, pleasure and wealth. Help us to have a right vision of the future, 
to see where our treasure truly is and so to be generous with our time and even more generous with our money. Also that we might honour you. In Jesus' name, Amen.